Welcome to Fearless Mom. Um, we are super excited to have a special guest today, but before we get started, I want to welcome in our online audience, moms. If you're watching with a group, if you are listening in your car, if you are locked in your bathroom, you know, with your iPad, whatever, we want to remind you, you may be watching or listening by yourself, that you are not alone. There is a group of moms in the fabulous ATX cheering you on, right girls? We believe in you. We want to encourage you to keep at it. We don't know what we're doing either, but we are sticking together and cheering each other on. Now, before we get started, I'd love to start with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for a local church where we can gather together. We thank you for technology that allows us to reach into other churches and into homes and into cars. God, we ask right now that you settle our hearts, that you settle our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what you want us to see and hear today. God, help us see what we need to do to be the best moms that we can be, to raise up these children, to be the men and women that you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Every so often at Fearless Mom, we invite one of our moms or maybe a mom that we know to come share her story because we believe that there is power in the story that all of us can learn when we share our stories with other people. And so today we have Nancy Vorpal sharing with us today. Nancy is a mom a grandmother, a wife. She is a member of Lake Hills Church. We adore Nancy. She is the leader of our Titus II uh, mentor mom group. And so we couldn't do life without her. So we are so happy that she is going to share with us today about her mothering journey. So I would love it if you would put your hands together and welcome Nancy to the stage. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Oh, good morning. Get myself all situated. I'm here today to share my story and the lessons I have learned from my motherhood journey. I would like to open with prayer because I've always felt like I have this direct line from my heart to my tear ducts. Sometimes my memories come out, sneak out of my eyes, and roll down my cheeks. So I really want to pray for emotional control this morning. So pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to share how you have been my hope, my peace, and my healer through my mom life. I pray that you will speak through me, speak in spite of me, and give me control over my emotions. My prayer is that everything that is said will bring honor and glory to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Nancy Vorpal. I'm part of the Titus II team of Fearless Mom here at Lake Hills Church in Austin, Texas. But for those of you online, I did want to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about my family. I brought some pictures, of course, to share. I've been married to my husband, George, for 44 years. This is my husband, George, my son, Hal, who lives here in Austin, my daughter, Julia, my granddaughter, oh, <laughs> Madeline, 
And my mom, Liz, who is still going strong at 91. (laughs) Next is my daughter's family. That's Julia, our son-in-law, Jim. My grandchildren, Montgomery, who is eight, and the triplets, Max, Madeline, and Michael, who are four. They live in Rockwall, Texas. And then last is a current picture of my grandchildren at Christmas. Okay, I do admit I'm an obnoxious grandmother. (laughs) But you know, it's been said that a grandmother is a mother with experience. So I'm here to share with you today that sometimes your mom journey doesn't look like what you planned. As I've gotten older, God has given me a fresh perspective about the painful periods of my mom life. Well, I always wanted to be a mom. I grew up in a wonderful home with a wonderful mom. George and I married when we were in college. I became a teacher. He went to graduate school. And we moved a few times with his job until we settled in Dallas, Texas. We bought our first house. We were ready to start our family. For five years, we struggled with infertility. We did all the testing and all the treatments that were available at that time. I experienced the common emotions of longing, jealousy, anger, confusion, fear of the future, etc. I had many pity parties, and I suffered some strained relationships. George and I were involved with starting a church near our home at that time. I sang in the choir, and I faced the congregation, and every Mother's Day I had to bite the inside of my mouth to keep the tears from flowing as those mothers and fathers stood on the podium to dedicate their babies. These were some of the thoughts that were going through my head. Why her and not me? How long will this last? This isn't fair. I'm sick of being disappointed. I feel all alone. This wasn't my plan. Does God hear my prayers? Well, of course, God, of course, George and I were praying on our knees most days, but I was stuck in this phase of the infertility cycle. I wish I could say that I was cheerful and full of faith and positive through all those years, but unfortunately, it took me a while to realize that God was in control and He had a plan for my mom life. I began to take my feelings to God, asking Him to change my heart. I read His Word. Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Finally, I truly believe that God was good and he was in control. I ask him to handle my emotions in a godly way and to grow in this process with him. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I told myself that I was not defined by anything that had happened to me, or whether or not I was a mom. Colossians 2.10 tells us that I, told me that I was defined by who I am in Christ, and in Christ I am complete. When I didn't always feel that way, I had to go back to his word and what I knew to be true. 
I honestly asked the Lord to help me move to the next step. Looking back, I wish I had been more focused on what God had planned for me during that waiting time. He has a plan for me every day, not just down the road or in the future. I regret that I wasted days and opportunities. Well, the Lord was faithful to open our eyes to other ways to become parents. George and I, at the same time, felt a peace that it was time to move on. So in August of 1979, we adopted our son, Hal. I want to stop and share a really important lesson that I learned at this time and throughout my, my motherhood experience. Don't always live in the when. When I have a baby. When that baby is potty trained. When that toddler sleeps through the night. Excuse me, I've got that mixed up. <laughs> When my baby sleeps through the night, when my toddler is potty trained, when my five-year-old starts kindergarten, when my teenager gets his driver's license, etc. You know what I mean. You miss the delight and the joy of the now when you're so focused on that dream of the when. Well, how was an answer to years of prayer and a strong desire in my heart to be a mom? He was an easy baby, and on his very actual first birthday, I found out I was pregnant with his sister. So we became a family of four in 19 months. Remember my church on Mother's Day? Well, George and I stood on that podium and dedicated a baby in the spring of 1980 and again in the spring of 1981. Great is God's faithfulness. So, that's part of my story, but not all. And before I go on, I want to make two important points. One, I do not want you to leave here with fear in your hearts about having a teenager. This part of my story is not meant to be a downer, but it's a story of hope and restoration. Number two, my story is not just about me, but it involves my son, my firstborn. So I knew I had to have his permission before I could share with you. So we went to lunch, had a good conversation, and he gave his blessing to my talk this morning. He thought this was what I should share about my journey as a mom, and he even said he hoped it might help someone. When our children were five and three, we moved from Dallas to East Texas, where we lived for 19 years. We led an idyllic life. I was fortunate to be a stay-at-home mom. George had a good job. We had wonderful friends, a good church home, amazing family support. My children had wonderful, loving grandparents, aunts, uncles, fun cousins. Hal was a good student. He was active in sports, and he had good friends. Things changed drastically when he turned 14. He lost interest in sports, began to get in trouble at school, completely changed his friends, and even dressed differently. Now, I don't have to share the gory details of this time in our life for you to understand that things quickly spiraled out of control. During the years of infertility, George and I were on our knees praying for a baby. And now, 14 years later, 
we were once again on our knees praying for that teenager. We were lost as what to do. We prayed, we disciplined, we did what we knew to do to try to keep Hal from self-destructing. As things got worse, we went to experts for advice, and then we took some drastic measures to save our son's life. This is where I discovered that a mother's heart can hurt, a hurt that feels like it's breaking into a thousand pieces. There were days that I would stand in the shower and just cry out to God that it hurt too much. Often we felt like we were on a roller coaster in the dark, never knowing when we were going to take another fall. George and I kept to ourselves for the most part during this time. We didn't know anyone else who was having a problem like this. I was ashamed and felt like a failure as a mom. For the next several years, our world was mental health diagnosis, therapy, counseling sessions, drug testing, and adolescent residential facilities. After about eight months of struggling, I came across something that Beth Moore, the Bible teacher, wrote in her book, Things Pondered. She was going through a similar situation with a child placed in her home. I'd like to read from that to you. She said, I burst into tears and cried out to God, what am I going to do? Then I heard the voice of God speaking loudly, speaking directly into the depths of my heart. Can you just love him? Well, God could have asked me a multitude of questions that I could have readily answered. Can you make sure he's educated at the best school? Yes, God, I can. Can you always dress him to look his best? Yes, sir, I can do that. Can you take him to church? Oh, God, without a doubt, I will, every Sunday. How about Disney World? Consider it done, God. But that's not what God asked of me. He said, can you love him? Really love him? With a love that never fails? So, finally, I understood what God was trying to teach me in that painful period, what unconditional love really was. I was born with a compliant, a super compliant nature. For the first 40 years of my life, I was all about being good, doing right. I was a peacemaker, a people pleaser. I just could not understand a rebellious heart. My, but my compliance made me prideful and it made me judgmental. Two things that God hates. So God used my child to show me what it meant to love someone that was at times unlovable and didn't seem to love me back. Unconditional love is not based on performance or accomplishments or appearance or even behavior. Unconditional love is simply loving your child for who he or she is. They are God's creation and they are your child. Unconditional love doesn't mean that there's no need for discipline or consequences. There can even be a time for what the experts call tough love. Julie will be sharing a lot of helpful tips in the Pirate Parenting Series beginning next Wednesday, February 7th. 
So I could finally see and understand that this is how God loves us unconditionally, not based on what we do for him or how good we are. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, that God showed his great love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't love us because we first loved him. A scripture that really helped me during this painful time was Philippians 4, 6. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for your answers. So I poured out my heart to God in prayer. Sometimes telling him I didn't think I could do this anymore. It hurt too much. But supernaturally, I felt his presence and often felt this unexplained peace in the worst of times. Psalm 91:11 became my prayer for my child. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. You are all mothers. You know your hearts are directly connected to your children. I saw a definition of a mother recently that said a mother was someone who will love you unconditionally until her final breath. You're a mother. Even if you have a young child, you know a mother's heart can hurt. Your heart may be hurting today because of infertility or miscarriage. You may be hurting because you have a child with learning differences or special needs. You might have a colicky infant. Your heart may be hurting because of broken dreams, disappointments, and even bad choices your child has made. Well, my story doesn't end here because not only can a mother's heart hurt, but a mother's heart can hope. God is our living hope. I knew that God loved Hal more than I did, so I had to trust him with my child. I believed, Luke 1, 37, nothing you see is impossible with God. George and I prayed for wisdom, and through a series of events, God led us to a residential facility where Hal went to live for a year and a half called Heartlight. There we met Mark Gregston, the founder of Heartlight, and a man who has devoted his life to helping troubled teens and their families. For the first time in months, we knew our son was safe. We had a peace, and we could begin to start the healing process. We met parents like us, and we had a strong support system there. Mark Gregson is an excellent resource, not only for teens in crisis, but for all parents of preteens and teens. He has a website, Parenting Today's Teens. He's authored many books, including one this year about being a grandparent. He has a radio show, and he does seminars across the country. Heartlight was not the last place our son lived, but we learned a lot there. And God continued to teach me about priorities and patience, sacrifice, as well as unconditional love. Hal finished school, high school at a facility in Provo, Utah. It was outside of Salt Lake, nestled in the beautiful, majestic mountains, the Wasatch Mountains. Whenever we visited him there, we would walk out the front door, sometimes discouraged, often lonely, with questions, lots of heartache, and just the pain of leaving him again. 
But I would look up and see those mountains. And I couldn't help but think of the verse from Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I would feel a fresh hope that the same God who spoke those mountains into existence had the power to help our son and help us become a family again. The Bible tells us his mercies are new every morning. Well, I did make it, and I'm here to share with you not only can a mother's heart hurt and a mother's heart can hope, but a mother's heart can heal. George and I worked hard for years to reconnect with our son, to receive counseling as parents, to communicate love and concern to him. Hal also worked, and God worked too. God healed me emotionally. He mended my broken heart. He was faithful with his presence, his love, his peace, and his power. For most of four years, from 8th grade to 12th grade, Hal did not live in our home. Since moving to Austin in 2003, we have had physical reconciliation and restoration of our mother-son relationship. We've had wonderful times of being together as a family to make up for some of those times we missed in those years we didn't live together. We made mistakes. George and I enabled, certainly at times. I was a helicopter mom at times. But God worked through three imperfect people to restore a family. Another very important lesson I learned in, during this time was to appreciate our children's differences. Not to try to make them just like us. Hal is a creative, artistic risk taker and free spirit he was placed and raised by two compliant conventional unartistic type a parents but god put us together through adoption i'll never forget when our caseworker called us right after hal was born and she said this is the perfect match now, I knew at the time that she meant the physical characteristics of Hal's birth parents matched the physical characteristics of George and I. But there were times in those difficult years that I questioned that. I questioned God's plan. But now I know we were the perfect match. We needed Hal. He was the answer to so many prayers. He provided the opportunity for me to be a mom he brought so much joy into our lives, and we learned so much about God and about ourselves through his teenage years. Hal needed us. He needed parents who wouldn't give up no matter what. Parents who wouldn't walk away when life was hard. And parents that had the resources to get him the help when he needed it. Our children are our gifts, and we are theirs. No one can parent your child better because you know them better than anyone else, and you love them stronger and deeper than anyone. God can restore relationships. He can give second chances for bad decisions. 
you can dream new dreams for your children. (laughs) Maybe different dreams than you ever imagined. I have to say that Hal is a talented musician and songwriter. And up until three years ago, he played in in a local band based in Austin, Texas. Many times, we, George and I went to venues, bars, concerts, to hear him. And every time we walked in, never failed, someone would say, oh, parents of the band. So, obviously, we stuck out. But it was important for us and for him to know that we supported his passion. I found a quote recently that just says this beautifully. Parenthood is about raising and celebrating the child you have, not the child you thought you'd have. It's about understanding that your child is exactly the person they were supposed to be, and if you're lucky, they might be the teacher who turns you into the person you're supposed to be. I... um, wanted to read a card for you. I usually on my birthday and Mother's Day get cards, handwritten cards on notebook paper. He always tells me he can't find a card that says this, this thing. So this was the card I got from on, my, on Mother's Day last year. Mom, my actions and words have not always represented the appreciation I hold for having such a strong and forgiving woman that I can call my mother. My mistakes and fails have not always represented the admiration I hold towards you for never turning your back and always finding the goodness in me. Thanks, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Love, Hal. Now, one year, a few years ago, on my birthday, I got a paper bag. Inside was Hal's ponytail that he had cut off to donate to Locks of Love. He knew that as a cancer survivor who wore a wig, that would mean a lot to me, and it did. I want to mention one, another more important thing. Mac and Julie talked last week about marriage and communication in marriage. It is so important for you and your husband to be on the same page about issues with your children. You must talk about problems and solutions, and then support each other. You must present a united front to your children. Did George and I always agree on what to do? No. But we talked and listened to both sides and then came up with a mutual solution. So was that the end of my mom journey? (laughs) No. Once a mom, always a mom. Now there are challenges and joys of parenting adult children. And let me say, the biggest joy is grandchildren. (laughs) So you have that to look forward to. You will make it through your mom journey. It will go by faster than you think. So enjoy every minute. There's one other lesson that I'd like to share in the time I have left. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in September of 2000. I had surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation at MD Anderson in Houston. Many days as I was driving from East Texas to the hospital, I would hear a song 
on the radio by Rich Mullins. It really became my theme song, and God was so good to have it just come up and appear at the times when I really needed to hear it. The chorus says this, Hold me, Jesus, for I'm shaken like a leaf. You have been my king of glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? Now, I have to admit that the last three weeks, I have been singing that out loud in my home as I was preparing to stand here and speak to you today. He has been and always will be my Prince of Peace. During my treatment, the the one thing I dreaded most was losing my hair. The doctors told me it would happen, so I got a wig, I got clippers, I was ready. One morning shortly after my first round of chemo, I I took a shower and began to comb out my wet hair. It came out in clumps. As I moved my comb through my hair, it just all began to fall out. I didn't even need the clippers. I began to cry, and I didn't recognize that bald head that I saw in the mirror. So I got a broom and a dustpan to sweep my floor. Through tears, I looked down at my bathroom floor that was covered with hair, and suddenly Matthew 10:30 popped into my head. The very hairs of our head are all numbered. In this gospel, Jesus was talking about how valuable we are to God and his great love for us. Now, ladies, I have to say, you will never have an idea of how much hair is on your head until you see it covering the floor at your feet. God knows the very hairs, the very number of hairs on my head and on yours, and on every person from the beginning of time to the end of time. That is our loving Father. So his great love and peace washed over me that day. (laughs) My sweet husband, who is a huge blessing in my life, sent me flowers the next day, and the card said, I love you even on a bad hair day. So in closing, I just want to say that in the depths of heartache, illness, and even despair, God revealed himself to me in entirely different ways than I would have ever known without those painful experiences. My prayer for each of you is that you will continue to pour out your heart to him in all of your days. Always pursue his truth to find comfort, direction, and purpose. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We know our children are a gift from you. We need your strength and your wisdom daily. Give us patience and joyous hearts. Let us be an example of your love and forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for the honor of being a mom. Thank you for each mom represented here and the moms online and their families. You are, Father, our Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen.